This is Mary Celeste Bell. Welcome to the Blackberry Podcast, where we'll dive into stories and knowledge of the incredible people that are part of the Blackberry story. You'll hear from longtime friends, amazing visiting personalities, and our own inspired team members. Writer and cookbook author Liz Moody sat down with her husband, Zach Mitchell, on Blackberry Mountain for a conversation about celebrating the journey to everyday wellness. Zach inspired Liz to embark on her health journey, and now they're staying healthier together, which is the title of Liz's newest cookbook. Enjoy their conversation from the mountain. I am a cookbook author, I'm a podcast host, and I'm also a journalist. I've been a journalist for about 15 years. I pitched my first newspaper column when I was 16 years old, um, and kind of my career went from there. And today, I am joined by my husband, who I don't normally get to do these events with, so it's a very special treat. He is my favorite Healthier Together partner, and my original Healthier Together partner. So this is Zach Mitchell. He's a uh, director of a, he has a startup, so this is very out of his wheelhouse. So I very out of my wheelhouse. So I, please be kind. I was, yes, I would ask that everybody be kind to him for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, as as those of you who've heard her podcast or just in generally heard about this before, she's a great interviewer. So we're going to try to turn the tables a little bit, uh, and I've kind of come up with a list of questions just based on kind of what I've seen people asking <laughs> her, kind of what I. You know, some distillations of where I think some of her cool knowledge comes from. Questions and, you've yeah. had for 13, 12 years. Yeah, and you questions haven't. that you refuse to answer finally. <laughs> um, on stage. So. Cool, here I'm we excited. Go. Yeah, I haven't seen these ahead of time, so hopefully these aren't too um, rough. No, I think they're pretty. Um, okay, good. They're pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, we'll do a QA. So if you guys have questions, just save them for the end, and we will answer all of them. Yeah. You can ask questions to Zach about um, codeine or <laughs> what That's junk food I secretly eat at home. Oh, yeah. Those are the questions that were, were all of her about here. Or for me as well. Um, all right. All right. Hit me. Cool. Let's get started. I think a lot of people are like, cool, healthier together. I like the word healthy. What does it mean? Uh, and there's a lot of, and we're just going to jump right into it here. There's a, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of. Uh, different definitions, potential misconceptions, what is healthy to you, what do you think healthy should be for the rest of us, and what does eating healthy mean? It's a good question. Zach got to witness as I was writing the cookbook, um, having my my mental struggle of having to define healthy. Uh, so it was it took a lot of work to come to a definition. But one thing that I was lucky enough to do as a journalist is I get to interview people who are like experts in the keto diet and experts in the vegan diet and experts in basically every Mediterranean, everything that exists on the planet. And Mark Sisson, who founded the Primal Diet, which is a sort of more nuanced version of the paleo diet, he said something that I thought was really, really interesting, which is that 80% of what people are eating, they pretty much all agree upon, and it's the last 20% that they'll like fight tooth and nail about, you know? So we all agree that vegetables should mostly be the core of your diet. So in the book and in my life in general, I eat 
I would say by and large vegetables are the most anti-inflammatory things you, that exist. They're the most gut healing things, the most hormone balancing things on the planet. So 80% vegetables. And then I use everything else, whether that's grains, legumes, or um, animal protein as more of a condiment. So that's the last 20% is filled with, you know, a really good grass-fed meat or chickpeas or um, a sprouted grain of some sort or a fermented grain like sourdough. So I think that if you really just focus on that 80% being vegetables and fruit a little bit as well, you have a lot more wiggle room in the last 20%. Also, I think that blood sugar is uh, one of the most key issues in health and I don't know if we talk about it enough. I think if you keep your blood sugar stable, you will avoid a lot of the health problems that exist in today's world because you don't signal this cascading hormonal interaction in your body after that. So everything that I cook, I like to have a good amount of healthy fat, healthy fiber, and protein, um, which keeps your blood sugar really stable and helps keep your hormones in check and doesn't you know have that cascading interaction. I also do stuff that bites inflammation. Uh, gut health, I believe, is at the root of your overall health. So lots of fermented foods, a lot of prebiotic foods to heal your gut, and um, a little bit of like fun. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to lean into the superfoods. I don't think that healthy food needs to be expensive at all. So I don't like to ask people to go buy like weird powders and supplements, but I do think it's fun to like play with Ayurveda. I have a Ayurvedic doll in here and I think that type of thing is, or a moon milk, which is something they drink in Ayurvedic cultures to help you go to sleep at night. So I think stuff like that is fun as long as it you can get ingredients at your normal grocery store. Also, like I have another question. You don't need to just answer the first one forever. Um, <laughs> but also I think that health is about the mental element too. I think if you feel deprived and you don't feel like you're enjoying your food and you're excited about what's in your plate, it's no longer health. I always say that wellness is a tool. It's not an end unto yourself. You shouldn't be trying just to get well. You should try to get well so that you can live your best life, so that you can run and play with your kids, so that you can feel really energetic when you wake up in the morning, so that you're not plagued by pain or stomach problems or anything like that. But I think if we're focusing too much on wellness onto itself and we're like, oh, I have to eat this salad so I'm well, then you're not living your best life anymore. You're living a worse life because of wellness. So I always think that eating food that really excites you is a core part of a healthy diet as well. All right. So vegetables, but make it fun. That's, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, and, and in that, because I, I, I think I've memorized 90% of the recipes in this book. Wow, that's um, more than me. Yeah, it's probably, I think that's fair. Um, I know you have a couple in there that are literally like great staples that I would make in college or what have you, like bolognese, right? Like pasta, bolognese. And you're like, yeah, let's do that. But, you know, just like three times more vegetables, a little bit less meat, like make it make it more that. And make it's it still, fun. It's still fun. It's still, still delicious. Right? right. And I always say I was like a very trashy eater, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. I like like taquitos. I, I have like a fun size Snickers bar in the book. Um, but I, I like to take the things that I love and make them healthier. And I think that's a great way to stick to a healthy diet in general is to take the food you want to eat and find recipes for it that make it a slightly better version of it so that you're excited. Right on. All right. So we got the first word of the book out of the way. What's your favorite recipe in the book? Oh, I actually know this. Um, although I can never remember the the, the word the word for it. Um, the one you bake that has the bread and the and the eggs. Oh, the strata. The strata. The Thanksgiving yeah. stuffing if, strata. If anybody's, it's it's kind of like if a stuffing and uh, like a quiche made some sort of magical creature that just 
like it explodes your mouth. It's wonderful. It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, we got the first half of the title down. Healthier. Yes. Let's talk about that together. Um, when you know, when you and I started dating, like long ago, over a decade ago, mm-hmm. um, I would say that you were an interesting eater. <laughs> uh, this is um, the, the the I think the very first meal you made for me was instant oatmeal covered in Splenda, <laughs> which I gotta say was exciting. Um, and. Uh, I know you, you said in the book, I take great credit for like taking you to your first farmer's market, which is apparently like a big deal. And I think we can all take a second to thank me for being here, because otherwise this book it wouldn't have happened without that farmer's market. <laughs> and then quickly after that, um, you know, you really embraced a lot of, uh, we were at Berkeley at the time, a lot of the really nice, healthy, organic kind of California produce and that, that style of stuff. Like it became like a real tenant of what you're interested in, and, and you redirected your kind of journalism skills along along those routes, um, and you actually really became a, a, a you know a thought leader in the space. And as a result, uh, my life like really really heavily improved. I started eating a lot healthier, a lot cleaner. Um, you know, other than food, we you know we have a I would say a very like streamlined uh, wellness apartment. You know, everything <laughs> from like tiny like water filters on everything and like like just like all the, the kind of like the, the kitchen sink because you have so much exposure yeah um so a how did you do that how did you make my life so much better and also i think for all of us uh who have partners um and i'm using that term loosely because a partner can be a sibling a family member a friend a coworker, people who are trying to live a little better how would you advise all of us to help the people in our lives yeah eat and live a little bit better maybe they do want to maybe they don't want to yeah <laughs> um go yeah so i get that question a lot as you might imagine having written a book called healthier together hmm. um and i think the the best way to lead is by example i think that i i always think about when i tried to get you to meditate i meditate for 20 minutes every day it's made a huge difference in my life and so for years i was like zach you should meditate zach you want to meditate zach are you going to meditate and he didn't want to meditate and it was it just annoyed him that i was constantly asking him to meditate and i think that that often happens with our partners when we find something and it just makes such a huge change in our life and we want to share that with them but then we end essentially make that thing not fun by turning it into something that we nag our partners about and i don't think that ever really works whether it's a parent i know that i uh i tried to get my dad to drink green smoothies for breakfast for years and he was just like back off but then I went on vacation with him and I made green smoothies and I drank them and I showed him how delicious they could be. And he was like, oh, I didn't know they could taste like this. Oh, this is interesting. I have so much more energy during the day. Okay, I'll try this in my own life. So I always say the best way to lead is by example and making the things that you love seem really appealing. So instead of saying you should meditate, I should have talked about how much I love meditating and the ways that I felt that it was improving my life. And then once you do that, I think if your partner wants to catch on and wants to do it, super great. If they don't, you just have to recognize at a certain point that you're different people. For the food element, because people are always like, oh, that's nice and good, but I'm not making two dinners every night. Um, I think that really having asking your partner, well, what are your favorite foods? What are the things that we could put on the table that you would be excited about? And then twisting those foods to be a little bit healthier. So 
you know, we made in the cooking class this morning like a crispy orange chicken with a broccoli, lemon, ginger rice, which I love. And that's based on a fast food favorite. Or there's the fried chicken from our wedding. That's in the book as well. So I think if you can find out what your partner's hangups are around eating healthy, what the what they picture when they picture healthy, and then figure out a way to change that image and to make it something that's really crave-worthy and exciting. And they realize it's not going to be deprivation-based at all, but it's actually going to be a thing that, one, makes them feel better. And once people start feeling better, like, all bets are off. You know, when people realize what their body can feel like and what their brain can feel like on a day-to-day basis, they are on board. So it's just about getting them to that point. But when they realize they can get there without having to give anything up, I think that's, that's when it really changes the game. Wonderful. Um, with that in mind, are there are there good? I mean, I'm sure we could dive deep into how your apartment's getting the whole thing, but like, let's just say kitchen, pantry stuff, right? Like stuff that you keep around that makes it that much easier to whip up like a really fast meal or like a like a really healthy kind of. Yeah, um, I would say I, I love stocking our freezer. Like I mm-hmm. love to keep a lot of stuff on hand in the freezer so that stuff is ready to go always so like i'll have if i'm making broccoli rice i'll make extra and just have it in the freezer i always say when people put stuff in the freezer have it as close to the way you're going to eat it as possible so if you get something cooked and then put it in the freezer or put something in the right portion sizes and put it in the freezer but we actually have an extra freezer out on our um porch balcony um, of our tiny apartment because we have a tiny New York fridge and a tiny New York freezer. So I like to stock that as much as possible so that we can not get caught up, you know, on nights. And also I think forgive yourself too. There's going to be nights where you need to order takeout or get a pizza and like that's fine too. You're you're feeding a different part of yourself and that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that I actually had a, um, a really, what I thought was a really great joke lined up in here, <laughs> which was about like, yeah, you're a cookbook author. You know, you clearly spend like two to three hours cooking dinner every night. Yeah. Because you don't, right? And like, yeah. and like, and and who has who has the time to actually like sit in the kitchen and like be like, ah, right, couple friends coming over. Cool, they're coming over at seven. I got off of work at six thirty. Go right. And, yeah. You know, sometimes we have the time, but um, it sounds like uh, where I was hoping you're going to go with this is basically there. There are ways to hack to, to kind of hack things yeah. to make it faster, uh, make it easier. What um. What are like your quick like let's say weeknight dinners like not nothing nothing dinners. special food f- like you know food food you enjoy vegetable food you know great food for you maybe for me you know, okay so I think one of my themes in life or mottos in life is that everything tastes better in a taco I think you can put almost anything in a taco and it will be incredibly delicious and especially with all those freezer stuff like you can just do a melange of freezer vegetables. Put in some uh, saute up an onion because an onion also makes anything taste better. Saute up an onion, add some freezer vegetables, add like a chickpea or a black bean from a can, and then any spices you have around like onion powder, garlic powder, um, some smoked paprika or something like that, and then put it in a taco. And uh, I love the Siete grain-free tortillas. I think they're so delicious. You can keep them, you can order them online and keep them in your freezer and just use one at a time. And those are sort of a healthier version of a flour tortilla. And then um, a really good organic corn tortilla, I think, is epic as well. Also, for weeknights, I love to do sort of just like um, a quick saute. I'll take a hearty green, like a kale or a collard green. I'll saute it up in a pan with some olive oil, add maybe some chickpeas, any vegetables that I have laying around that are going to go bad, 
and a lot of sea salt and then onion and garlic powder, man. I think they're some of the most underutilized tools because people are like, I'm gonna use real garlic and real onion, I'm fancy. And I think that they should be thought of as like completely different ingredients as onion and garlic. Onion powder tastes almost nothing like onion. Garlic powder tastes so different than garlic, but they're so great unto themselves. They add this really powerful pop of umami and flavor and punch to a dish. You wanna use them right at the end because they will burn pretty quickly, but it'll jazz up any dinner in a second. Makes sense. When you wanna go a little fancier, do you go to your own cookbook? <laughs> I'll have you cook for me from my cookbook. Yeah. I knew the answer to that one because I, I spend a lot of time cooking from this cookbook now. Uh, especially when Liz is out of town and she can't like mock me because she's like, oh, you're cooking from my cookbook. No, I <laughs> love it when you do it now because it's like I literally put all of my favorite foods and all of my health <laughs> principles into a book and now I can just have you cook for me from it. Um, we also have a pretty deep cookbook collection yes uh, are there other cookbooks out there that you rec recommend for for people or or yeah it depends for cooking what they're looking for so I'm I'm a I was the food director at a wellness website for a really long time and I still write all a lot of content for them and I write a lot of cookbook reviews and cookbook posts so I get sent every cookbook that ever comes out and our um, house uh, suffers for that. We have many, 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 many cookbooks in there. I'm always sort of rotating stuff in and out. So when I'm cooking at home, I don't really cook from cookbooks, but I will look at more chef-driven cookbooks um, as a way to get ideas for things. So I love, there's um, a new one that just came out called Indianish, and that's, it's, it's, that's actually a really good for a home cook. It's Indian flavor. It's really vegetable-focused and really bright and beautiful flavors. Um, I'd say if somebody wanted to learn like on the nutrition side, Nutrition Stripped, she has a cookbook, that's Mikal Hill. Um, she has a really, really good cookbook that incorporates the nutrition. Uh, and then Anna Jones is a Guardian food columnist and she does a lot of vegetarian food. I had her on the podcast. Um, and she has a book called The Modern Cook's Year and it goes through all of the seasons and she adds in a few other, she has like a early winter and like a, she calls it the, the hail of spring or something that felt very British and lovely, but it's really beautiful, seasonally driven vegetable food. She also has a very like soothing British voice. Yeah, if she you does. want to check out that podcast yeah. episode, because I like really, It's like you really could fall asleep down. to it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, maybe let's move outside of just food for a sec, but still things we consume. Um, I also have both of the Blackberry Farm cookbooks at home. Yes, you do. But I use them. I use them as cookbooks, but I also they're gorgeous, so you can use them as like coffee table books yeah. too. And it, like I like it because it reminds me of coming here, and it's like a little vacation in a book. Tip, tip of the hat. Yeah. Um, wellness trends. Wellness trends. Do you have thoughts on kind of some of the the more Fashionable ones. I have I have a couple written down here. Um, I'll list them off and you can be like, yeah or nay. Collagen. I am pro-collagen. I okay. think if you use a good grass-fed source of collagen, it's great for you. It's really good for your hair. It's really good for your skin. It's really good for your nails. And it's also a great source of protein. Um, green smoothies are the number one way I recommend people start their day. I think it makes, I don't know if you have a question about that will allow me to do a soliloquy about green smoothies, uh, I, or if I should just do just it go, now. Just go, yeah. um, I think that a green smoothie is just the best way to completely change how you feel every day is to swap whatever breakfast you have with a green smoothie because it tastes delicious. You can make them taste like various types of milkshakes. I have like a chocolate 
um, Mexican hot chocolate one that I really like. I have like a lemon pistachio blueberry one. Um, chocolate covered strawberry is like my favorite or like one that tastes like an orange creamsicle which is super good, that's in the book. But it takes five minutes to make. By noon you've eaten more vegetables than most people eat in a week and it makes you feel really good. It tastes great, it's no cleanup, which I'm huge on. I will not prepare a meal in the morning that requires cleanup because then I won't clean it up in the morning and you'll get mad at me in the evening. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just I think it's the best 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 thing and I find when people don't want to do it it's because they're smoothie they're not making smoothies that are filling enough so I think my secret to making a smoothie that's really really filling is fat fiber and protein um, and if you have a good healthy fat a good source of fiber and a good source of protein in your smoothie it will always 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 fill you up until lunchtime um, so that's where the collagen comes in. I think it's a great source of protein for smoothies. It blends in really nicely. Um, and it's actually one of the cleanest types of protein you can get. A lot of protein powders have weird artificial flavors and weird types of sugars and stuff like that. And collagen is just straight collagen, which I like. All right. So pro-collagen. Pro-collagen, yes. Uh, charcoal. I'm seeing a lot of uh, like charcoal lattes at like, yeah. fancy places. Okay, so I'm anti-charcoal. Okay. Um, I think, so charcoal is used in hospitals to, you know, if you overdose, they'll give you charcoal to pull those substances from your body. And so when you're eating charcoal in food form, they do a lot of like drinks with it and lattes with it and stuff like that. It looks really cool in black, which is why it's become, I think, a trend. And people are like, oh, it's like detoxing me. But it's also pulling any of the nutrients that you're eating in that food out of your body. So it's as if you're eating nothing. And if you're taking it anytime near a prescription medication or any vitamins or supplements you're taking, it's taking that out of your body too. So you're just wasting money. So I guess I'm pro if you want to waste money, but. Which again, to be clear, is, is a no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm anti. And I think it's just, I think I, I'm very, well, I'll, I, you can keep doing trends. Okay. Good. So charcoal. <laughs> Charcoal's a no. Uh, aesthetically good. Use it to paint and draw and do whatever. Yeah. Don't consume it unless you're basically trying to recover from being I'm poisoned. okay with it in um, a toothpaste as well, but I would, they use it to whiten in toothpaste, but I would also tell people not to use it every day because there's been some more recent studies that show that it's hard on your enamel. So um, I would get a charcoal toothpaste, but maybe use it like once a week. I also had a white shirt that I ruined using charcoal toothpaste <laughs> once. Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't come out. Do you have an electric uh, toothbrush? It's, it's gnarly. Adaptogens. Adapt. Okay. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Um, so if you're not familiar with adaptogens, they're essentially herbs and uh, sub like supplements that adapt to your body. So um, it would be something like ashwagandha, which I mentioned earlier. There's stuff that you see a lot in people like making lattes or when people take herbal supplements, it would have that. And I'm pro them, but I also really think anybody taking a supplement or adding strange powders to their lattes or smoothies, they should consult a naturopath because I think that those things have such powerful effects on your body. Um, and that's a great thing, but you don't want to use that power sort of for evil. And the things can mix really intensely. And so I'd be very wary of, there's a lot of latte recipes floating around and people on Instagram who are just mixing stuff willy-nilly. And I would be anti that, but pro generally. If you have anxiety, ashwagandha can be an incredibly powerful tool, but it can also interact with thyroid medication. And you wouldn't know that if you just, you know, saw it on Instagram and decided to try it. So, so basically, these things are medicines, therefore treat them as such exactly. for the most part. Um, and this one's kind of just more of a troll. Uh, celery juice. 
Oh, I don't know if you guys have seen the whole celery juice trend that has happened. Um, I think it's insane. Uh, I just think there's a lot of, of, I think people really need to think about why information is coming. And I work as a journalist. Um, and when you think about media, the reason they need to share information is one, to get advertising dollars and two, to get clicks, which is going to get more advertising dollars. So I think when you hear something that's a trend or that's, uh, you know, eat this diet, eat that diet, it's, you need to think about who is saying it to you and why they're saying it. And sometimes it'll be the brand directly, which of course they're going to have a vested interest, but often even with the media site and even with really, really, really good quality media sites, there's a vested interest in getting you to click, especially in the digital media age and in getting brand dollars. And so I would just tell people in general to be very questioning of where they get their information and uh, how they trust that information. I think celery juice is exactly that. I think essentially media needed something to get clicks and they needed a story. And the medical medium, who is a person, I don't know if anybody knows, he, he like gets his health advice from a spirit. You said medium, right? Like yeah, a, he, like, a, like a psychic. He channels health advice. All right. And I think that's fine. I just wouldn't necessarily take health advice from somebody who's channeling it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> if you want, I think a lot of people say they have all these benefits when they start drinking celery juice in the morning, which one, like eat your celery, The fi it's, it's mostly water with fiber and you're getting rid of the fiber when you juice it. So it's literally mostly water. Two, you're getting a little bit of potassium and some salts, add some mineral salt to your water in the morning, shake it up and drink it, you have the same effect. Got it. I'm gonna actually skip ahead a couple questions because the topic is now about health information. Um, I know you you dive into like research depths that I don't know I know I wouldn't have the time to go into like like actual like you know peer-reviewed medical journals and blah 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 blah. Uh, well actually maybe a better question is how do you get your medical your your information yeah. for, for wellness, for health, for everything? And then how do we get it? Okay. Um, so I do think that the studies and all of that is really valuable. So I will spend a lot of time reading journals and seeing what's coming out. But I also think that you can't get all of your information from there because one, there's always going to be studies that are basically going to contradict other studies. Um, and there's also studies are funded by people who can fund studies. So a lot of studies are funded by pharmaceuticals. They're funded by big produce or, you know, people who have interests in the result and you can always scroll down to the bottom of a study to see who it was funded by um, and see if there's any sort of interest in it but it can be hard to find studies about you know more niche health things so I'll, I'll check studies for sure and I like to be up to date on all of that but I also find that doctors are an incredible resource for me I'm lucky enough because I've been a journalist for so long I have a lot of the country's best doctors sort of on my speed dial and I've become friends with them and I think the thing that they have that studies don't reflect is they have people in their practice who are study or working with real life health issues and they're solving sort of those real life health problems, which I think studies can take sometimes a very long time to, to catch up with that. So assuming you don't have a doctor on your speed dial that you can call, I would really try to find a few people that you trust and then get your information from them. I also think we suffer today in an age of having way too much information. There's a million sites. You don't know what's reputable. You don't know what's not. So I have, um, there's a woman, Esther Perel. She's a very famous psychologist. And uh, she 
says that she doesn't use the internet anymore to like get recommendations or advice. She like if she wants to see a movie, she has two friends she'll text and say, "What movie should I see?" If she wants to go to a restaurant, she'll like have two friends she texts who are restaurant friends and she'll be like, "What restaurant should I go to?" And I think health advice would be better to go back to sort of a more village structure like that where whether it's people you know or don't know, whether it's somebody you follow on Instagram, whether it's a doctor who has a blog whose books you love, I think somebody that you can really check out, vet them, be like, I trust their health information, this, I understand where they're getting it from, this really resonates with me, and then stick with them and a few other people, but don't just like go read it on this site and then read it on this site and then read it on this site, because I think we'll just get really confused and overwhelmed and then be like, well, I'll just eat cake, you know? Sure, which is... You always tell me, as my health advice person, cake is good. Cake is good. Okay. <laughs> Especially the cakes I make. Yeah. That's a real Yes. One. Um, got it. So, so basically trying to, trying to basically vet a few people that are experts in the field or, yeah. or, or reliable to the level that you deem comfortable and then mm-hmm. either try to strike up a relationship or just, you know, kind of follow whatever kind of platforms and methodologies they Yeah. And a lot of doctors have really great websites these days. Um, and I think they're they're not looking for ad dollars in the same way that major media sites are. And so I think often that information, they're literally just looking for you to promote their practice, which they need to be a good doctor to do so. So I think those are often really great. Are your favorite doctors like public, like people that we could... Like, yeah, uh, Will Cole. I love him. I think he's amazing. So he's, I think, drwillcole.com. He has a lot of really great health information on his site. Taz Bhatia, too, T-A-Z-B-H-A-T-I-A. She has a lot of great information on her site as well. All right. Now I'm going to circle back to the questions I was asking just that are like your practices. But uh, supplements, do you do supplements? Yeah, I do supplements. What are they? Um, Okay, so I don't do a lot of supplements. Again, this comes down to like I think the best thing you can do to have a healthy diet, to live a healthy lifestyle, it starts with food. goes with being active, surrounding yourself with people you love. I think they're like very basic things. But I do a few supplements. Um, I do fish oil. I don't love seafood. Um, I actually have a really bad physical reaction to seafood. So I do a fish oil. Um, And then I do CBD, which are you guys familiar with CBD? Um, So CBD, it's essentially a non-psychoactive tincture that you get from the cannabis plant. Um, And it's been found, your body has cannabinoid receptors all over it, and the CBD interacts with those cannabinoid receptors. So it's been found to decrease inflammation, decrease anxiety. The first usage that they found for it was to um, decrease really severe seizures in people, in epileptic children who were resistant to treatment. Uh, There was a little girl named Charlotte who went from having hundreds of seizures a day to having zero. So it's a very powerful substance. I take it personally because I struggle with anxiety, um, and it helps me a lot. But I would recommend it to anybody who struggles with anxiety or any sort of mental health issues or inflammation-based issues like arthritis or um, like an autoimmune condition of some sort. Um, And then I take magnesium. Uh, I think most people could benefit from taking magnesium. We live in a very... uh, stressed out society and I think a lot of the things that we do on a societal level serve to decrease magnesium not the least of which is that our soil is super 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 depleted in it Um, and when you're stressed you need more of it and you're burning it essentially faster so I think magnesium is a great one I take a brand called pure encapsulations Um, and if I travel I do green powder because I don't have my smoothies I'm so sorry (laughs) <laughs> but other than that, I really think you can get most of the nutrients that you need from a, a good whole food diet. 
And I think that um, you don't need to spend a lot of supplements or money on supplements to feel good. Word. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, another vote on magnesium, I definitely use it for uh, topical as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. For me, like exercise or impact, anything that, that kind of like messes with your muscles locally, it's also an amazing kind of vector for getting that all. Totally. Sort of- when you take when you take an Epsom salt bath, that is magnesium essentially mm-hmm. getting in your skin. So when you're, you know, achy and tired and you take an Epsom salt bath, that's what you're doing. You're- all right. Plus one for baths. Yeah. And it's actually magnesium is better absorbed uh, topically than it is internally. I just don't want to like mess around with that. But if you have a compromised gut at all, I'd recommend a spray or a cream that you rub on your skin. Got it. And uh, note on CBD, it is from the cannabis plant, but legal all over the country and non-psychoactive, correct? Well, um, this is complicated. Legal-ish all over the country. Legal-ish. My, one of my best friends actually wrote a book about CBD. Uh, it's called CBD Oil Everyday Secrets. I highly recommend it as like a primer to the plant. Uh, her conclusion was that it is actually not legal anywhere, um, but it's such a gray area that nobody is like willing to prosecute, so you, you're fine to buy it. But it's technically, no, it's not legal anywhere. <laughs> there's like conflict, conflicting federal and, and there's state. There's a lot of laws weird laws and... about it. But yeah, you can buy it on the internet and have it shipped to you wherever you are. And you won't get, you won't go to and jail. At, like grocery stores. And, stuff and you can like buy it, yeah, yeah, at grocery stores. Um, you mentioned anxiety. And I know you've struggled a bit with anxiety in the past. Um, what are the, some of the ways that you've used, you know, wellness and basically just like healthy lifestyles in general to deal with that? Because I know you're an expert on that now. Yeah, so I I had really severe anxiety uh, for a while. I've kind of struggled with anxiety my whole life, but there was a period when we were living in London together um, where I I became completely agoraphobic. I wasn't, you know, I'd have panic attacks if I left our house. I'd have panic attacks if I left my bed at one point. Um, And that was sort of the beginning of my really deep dive into the health world. I'd always been a writer, but that was my impetus to switch into using my journalistic skills to, you know, deal with a personal health struggle. Um, And I wish there was like one thing that had made it better, but there's been a number of small things over the years that have made it a lot better. One is structure. I think if you have anxiety, you really need structure in your day. I think that something like waking up at the same time, going to sleep at the same time, um, having like little morning routines and nighttime routines can be really, really helpful. The magnesium and the CBD. I meditate for 20 minutes every day. I also think being active. My dad's a psychologist and he will prescribe his patients for depression and anxiety to do 20 minutes of physical activity daily before he'll prescribe them a uh, antidepressant or anti-anxiety drug and 98% of his patients don't end up needing those drugs. And there's been a number of studies that show that same efficacy with working out, particularly Um, high-intensity interval training does something to your brain with anxiety Um, so anything where you run you do you push your energy to the max and then back off and then push it to the max and then back off has a really positive effect on anxiety Um, and then community I mean I wrote healthier together because I think I experienced in London what a dearth of community does to one's life and I think that we give ourselves a lot of permission to let community be the last important thing in our lives you know Mm -hmm. We, we want to do so great at our jobs and we want to be a great mom. And um, it just feels like there's so much to do these days that to take the time to call a friend or to, you know, spend time with somebody you love feels almost extraneous or something that we don't have time for. And I think it's not only something we all need to make time for, but I think it's an essential wellness practice, which is one of the reasons I wrote this book. I think that 
our relationships can really strengthen the health choices that we make. There's been so many studies that show if you surround yourself with people who smoke or people who are obese, you're more likely to smoke, you're more likely to be obese. If you have friends that are getting a divorce, you're more likely in the six months that follow to get a divorce as well by like 70 to 80%. Um, similarly, on the other side, if you surround yourself with people who eat really well, who are active, you're so much more likely to do those things. It's like a cheater way into it. Um, and then I also think you can use health as a way to strengthen those relationships, like want to go for a bike ride, want to come cook a meal. Um, I, think that's, I think that's so, so important. So for me, building my community and really giving myself permission to take the time to value my community has been huge for my anxiety. Yeah, I've heard that. I've read that loneliness is an epidemic in this country as well as other countries. So I think I it's think it's the epidemic of our age. I really do. I think that we live in a time where um, we almost put loneliness up on a pedestal, but we don't realize we're doing it. So like, it's considered a sign of success to not live with your parents anymore, to not live with roommates anymore. So you're isolating yourself there. There's so many people who are working. Um, you know, remote jobs now. And so you're isolating yourself there. We're moving further and further away from the town or city that we were born in. You're isolating yourself there. We used to live in these little villages with multi-generations in the same home. Uh, and we were getting that wisdom and having that built-in community. And now we, we don't at all anymore. And I think that it's not um, a coincidence that anxiety and depression levels have gone up in exact correlation with that. And we also have social media kind of giving us a little bit of from one or the other. Do you, what are your thoughts on social media and, and uh, community? I think you can use social media as a great part of community, and I also think you can use it to make yourself feel terrible about yourself. So I always tell people to lean, and this is what I try to practice personally, There's, I tell people to lean into the social side and lean away from the media side. So media means that you're just scrolling, 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 and you're not engaging with any of it. Social means you're commenting, you're talking to people, you're building relations, and you're not just like, hey, puppy emoji, you're like, oh my gosh, this looks like a really cool trip. Like, where did you go? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're, you're using it to build the relationships in your life. And I have gotten that, exp I've made real friends on social media who I've then met in real life and I've built really beautiful relationships with. But I'm always quick to turn it into real life as much as possible to make sure it's a supplement to my real life. And to as I think it's when we lean into the media, we feel so bad about ourselves, whether it's feeling bad about our body as we're scrolling through all these images of perfect, or about our house as we're scrolling through all these perfect houses or what we're eating or all these other people are on these cool vacations. I think that's when you're using it as media and not as the social. All right. Um, I'm gonna give you a few rapid fire questions just because I feel like you need a challenge. Okay. All right. Are they math? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, this one's trigonometry. Uh, <laughs> I don't even literally know what that is anymore. All right. <laughs> um, favorite food for gut health? Um, I'm gonna, I think everybody would expect me to say something fermented, which is great, but I'm gonna say uh, prebiotics. So that would be things like Jerusalem artichokes or sunchokes, I don't know what you guys call them down here. Um, or uh, celery or asparagus. These are the foods that the probiotics in your gut need to thrive. So if you're just doing probiotics, you're like essentially putting in all these colonies, these little bugs, and then they're starving to death because you're not feeding them anything. So you need to put in the bugs. Sorry to talk about bugs in your belly, but then you need to feed them the food that they want to eat. So that's prebiotics, and then they'll, they'll make you feel really good and they'll attach on and thrive. So 
I, I love, if you haven't had a sunchoke or Jerusalem artichoke, seek them out. They're in season, I think, right now, um, and they're so good. Okay, rapid. Um, <laughs> favorite food for inflammation? <laughs> uh, turmeric or bone broth? Which? Uh, bone broth, because it's more, well, they're both versatile. Turmeric or bone broth? <laughs> I'm leaning towards bone broth myself. Uh, favorite food for anxiety? Um... I would say, I don't think there's one food for anxiety, but I think keeping, this isn't going to be quick, I'm sorry. I think keeping your blood sugar stable is important in life, but especially for anxiety, there's something called misattribution. So that's when you have anxiety and you feel a symptom of anxiety that maybe has nothing to do with it. Like your palms are sweaty or your stomach feels a little fluttery or something like that. Your brain, without even you realizing your brain is doing this, will be like, oh, that's a symptom of anxiety. What am I anxious about? And your brain can always, always, always find something to be anxious about. It's like, oh, don't worry. I got like 50 things. Let me tell you that. And then it'll feed you back that. You'll be actually anxious about that. And it starts this cycle. So if you can prevent the initial symptoms of like the clammy hands or the upset stomach or the lightheadedness, and you can mitigate a lot of the symptoms of anxiety before they happen. So for me, that's keeping my blood sugar really stable so you never have that like hangry feeling. Um, and also I avoid caffeine completely, as you know. Zach does not. Zach is a coffee I, I do not. fiend. <laughs> um, but that, to, again, mitigate those symptoms of anxiety so I'm not tricking my brain into thinking I have anxiety when I don't. Okay. <laughs> Let's try this again. Uh, best purchase you've made for healthy cooking? Um, probably my Vitamix. I hate... Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, go on. <laughs> it's a really nice blender, um, and it is expensive, but I use it every single day for my smoothies. It makes any super smoothie really, really smooth. It's amazing. And then if you're on the cheaper side, my microplane. In the cooking class this morning, um, I was telling people about how much I love the zest. I think zest is one of the healthiest foods and most flavorful foods that we're not eating. It has all of the essential oils in the fruit. So some, an orange zest will taste more orangey than an orange. A lime zest will taste more limey than a lime. Uh, and it also has a ton of health benefits because it has all these antioxidants and polyphenols in it. So I, I use zest all the time. A microplane is seven bucks on Amazon um, and I love it. All right. Best purchase for better sleep? Um, I would say a white noise machine. You hate white noise machines. No, I don't. I, <laughs> I, love them. I think that it's, I think there's all these little micro sounds that we all hear all night. And I think that if you can, they, they're kind of tiny waking you up all the time. And mm -hmm. I think if you can stop that, that's great. I also, I do like weighted blankets. Um, I think that they're, I don't know if you guys have read about them. They're sort of a new trend that's happened. And I do think those are really, really effective. They're essentially just a heavy blanket but they uh, relax your nervous system. They've been used on children with autism for a long time and they're just sort of becoming mainstream and I find those to be very effective. Best purchase for healthy traveling? Going all over. My travel water filter for sure. I have a water bottle that has a water filter and it means that I can drink filtered water everywhere that I go. Which um, one? So I have two. I have, um, the one I like the best is the Grail, which is G-R-A-Y-L. Um, and you can literally filter water from streams from it, although I don't do that. Uh, but essentially filtered... I, I have it does work. <laughs> it's great. Oh, you have done it from streams? Really? Yeah. That's brave. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs>
Zach's alive, so yeah. it's fine. No, I just, I think that drinking good, anything that you consume really a lot of, you should make sure to have that thing be healthy. And so if you think about the things that you're actually having the most of every day, we're like, oh, should I like eat a cookie with this type of flour in it? I don't know, it's crazy. And I'm like, why you, you're eating like maybe a cookie every few days. Why are we spending so much time thinking about that when you drink water nonstop all day? Like put your energy towards the things that you're doing all the time and you'll see the vast, a bigger improvement in your life much faster. All right, three more questions. That are rapid? Yes, <laughs> although I'll say them slowly. Okay. Favorite healthy dessert? Probably the best healthy cookies, right? Yeah, for those of us who do eat cookies every single day. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I have a recipe for that I call the best healthy cookies in this book, and they're like a crispy edge and a chewy center, and they're all grain free, and they have a ton of protein in them. So you actually need to eat less. Like you feel satiated eating a cookie, which I wouldn't have thought was possible. Um, and they're so good, and they take ten minutes to make, which I think is critical because when you want dessert, I'm not gonna like make a layer cake and four hours later be like, oh, I made my dessert. It's a lot easier, I found, to convince your partner to make things that take 10 to 15 minutes in terms of desserts and to be convinced as a partner. I know. I was saying that in the cooking class. I'm like, often I find myself laying on the couch and just sliding my book towards Zach and asking mm. him to make me cookies in the evening. All right. Uh, favorite healthy travel destination? Blackberry. Blackberry. <laughs> um, I think Italy. I think Italy gets a bad rap because people think of pasta and all of that, but I actually think they have some of the best farm-to-table vegetable-forward cuisine that I've found in the world. And it's very regional. There is no Italian food. There's Tuscan food and Puglian food and Roman food. And I think that's really, really fun because they, they've kept that hyper-locality. And I think the more we can embrace that hyper-locality in our food, that's a, a different type of wellness, but I think it's really important. Makes sense. Um, and your favorite healthy partner to eat with or do anything with? You? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a wrap, everybody. <laughs> um, um, do you guys have any questions? I know that was a lot. That was good. I think you did really well. I think I did okay. <laughs> I think you did very well, though. Um, if you guys have any questions, though, like about cooking, about wellness stuff, about... Zach? No? Nobody? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you touched on supplements. I'll walk into Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and be like, should I buy any of this stuff? It's just kind of overwhelming. What are your thoughts on, again, to elaborate on that, like supplements and what to pick and whatnot? Yeah. So I would say... Sorry. So, so the question is, oh, yeah. if, if you walk into your, your standard Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or what have you, are there supplements you can actually buy that are of good quality that you'd want yeah, to Yeah, and like, how do you know which oh, ones, yeah, too? It's overwhelming. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and we have a plethora of choice. Yeah. How do it's, we narrow it down? How do we narrow it down? Okay, so the way I would say to approach supplements is to think about the problems that you have and then use supplements to solve them. So don't be like, oh, I read an article that I should have, you know, this much omega-3. Be like, do I not eat fish so I'm trying to solve a deficiency? Or I read an article that says I should incorporate magnesium and be like, well, am I stressed? Do I have, if I have um, what Charlie horses, that's a sign you have magnesium deficiency because your muscles are doing that. So I would think about, or do I spend all day not in the sun? Maybe I have a vitamin D deficiency. Better off if you can go get those things tested and you can actually use supplements to fill those gaps. But I would think about, do, am I working with an inflammation problem? Am I working with a gut problem? And use your supplements to solve accordingly rather than just going for them because you read about them or you hear about them or they're trendy. Um, I would also be really check, check into the quality of supplements. 
Supplements that are bad quality can often have a lot of heavy metals in them, um, so you can end up doing more harm than good. Uh, there are a few brands I like. I love Garden of Life. They do really great probiotics. Um, and then uh, Pure Encapsulations is one that a lot of functional doctors use in their practice, and they do you know, basically all of the you know, magnesium and vitamin D and all of that. Maybe, maybe a small corollary to that. Are you a proponent of like the classic multivitamin? I am not if you're eating a whole food diet. If you are not eating a good quality diet for some reason, I'm okay with, again, using it as a stopgap. If any time I would be taking any supplement, I would ask myself, what problem am I trying to solve with this? And if I can't come up with a direct answer, I would not be taking that supplement. Got it. So if if in this case the problem is I know I don't have a good wide range of vegetables. Then I would take a multivitamin. Okay. And you would maybe do that in the form of like a green powder or actually like a like a traditional yeah, I like green powders versus multivitamins. I like um, athletic greens and vitamineral greens. I think those are really good, like daily sort of green powders, again, because they're a whole food instead of just isolated vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C. I think in general, whole food supplements are ideal because we don't know all the little interactions that are happening in plants. And I, I, we're still figuring, like we literally are just discovering, the whole probiotic microbiome thing, we just figured out like five years ago and we're still just learning about it. And so I just in general think you're better off eating the foods and getting the whole bevy of interactions that you don't even, we as in science have no idea what are, what's happening yet, you know? More Anybody questions? else? So how do you make these green smoothies in like five minutes in the morning? It's that so sounds, fast. That sounds, yeah. How do you do it? So what do you do? Um, so, well, I have a formula for it in my book. It's called an ode to the best weekday breakfast. Um, but essentially, it's just greens and then a small amount of fruit, whether it's banana or some frozen fruit, um, a good choice of healthy fats. So that could be avocado, hemp seeds, chia seeds, nut butter, um, and coconut yogurt, um, and then a good source of protein. So that could be collagen powder. Hemp serves both. It has a lot of uh, whole protein and um, a lot of good healthy fat with omega-3s. And then you add in any sort of like flavor booster. So if you want like a chocolatey smoothie, you'd go for a cacao and add that in. Or if you want sort of the orange creamsicle one, I do a lot of hemp because it makes that creaminess. And then I would do orange juice and orange zest. And then you and an avocado. So you get the creamy and that really bright orange flavor from the zest. So... Also, if you don't feel like you have time for the five minutes, you can make little smoothie packs. So you can take everything that I just said, put them in individual bags in your freezer. I love stasher bags, which are reusable silicone bags. They're essentially Ziploc bags, but you can use them over and over and over. Um, You can buy them on Amazon. And uh, you can pre-portion your smoothies for like the month, put them in your freezer, dump them in your, your Vitamix that, or your blender that morning and just add liquid and blend it up. So there's some prep, but then you can do no, then you can do it in like one minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the five minutes, if you have all this stuff, you're literally just kind of like washing your greens or not even if you have the clamshell um, that you would buy pre-washed, like maybe peeling a banana and then zesting an orange, dumping in some hemp hearts. So if we want to be like real simple about this, right? Like the, the most compact version of what you're describing, like a clamshell of greens, just buy one, it. Yeah, a banana. one banana. Um, half an avocado. Half an avocado. Small handful of like maybe frozen. Old hemp seeds. Okay. And then like, yeah, maybe like some frozen raspberries okay. to make it taste good. Pinch of salt. 
Oh, yeah. I always say put a pinch of salt in your smoothies. One salt makes things, it brings out the flavor of things no matter what you're eating. And also the minerals will help you digest everything in the smoothie better. So you take that, add a little bit of water. Turn, blend it. Turn it on. Pour it in a cup. Then add soap and water to your blender. Blend that up to clean it. And then you're good to go. I think we did that in less than five minutes. I've done it in like a, I'm, I'm running late 100% of the time. And so I often find myself in the position of having to make smoothies extra fast. All right. Anybody else? Oh. I, I came in late, so I hope you didn't cover this, but have you heard, or what do you think about the trend of the fast mimicking diets? Oh, yeah. So the question was, um, what do you think of fasting mimicking diets? This is like the Walter Longo type thing. So these are really, these diets essentially came out of cancer research. Um, and I think that they're they're powerful tools for cancer. They essentially starve your cancer cells, um, but I wouldn't recommend them for normal healthy people because they've been shown to have sort of negative effects on your healthy mitochondria as well, which is not great. It's sim similar to the supplements. If you're trying any sort of specialty diet, I would ask yourself what type of problem you're trying to solve with that diet. And if there's not something you're trying to solve, I don't think you should do it just because you're reading about it a lot in the news. And that would include like a fasting mimicking, it would include keto, anything like that. If there's not something you're trying to solve, I think that you should avoid the noise around it. As a point of clarification on that, is that fasting as in like, I didn't eat breakfast this morning? Or is that fasting in like, actually like longer, longer stretches? Longer stretches. Right. So the fasting mimicking diet is, it's I don't know it exactly, I don't recall, but it's like um, you eat very small amounts of food in these non-fasting windows, and then you have these extended fasting windows. And then there's also intermittent fasting, which intermittent fasting is interesting. I don't recommend intermittent fasting for women. It's really hard on their hormones, and they found that in a lot of studies. A lot of studies are done on men and by men, and so I think women particularly need to be very careful when anything hits the media and everybody's like, oh, you should try this, it does this for your body, because in quote, in, uh, in parentheses, what you're not reading is it does this for your body if you're a man. We don't have a lot of information about how this stuff interacts with women, but a lot of the, the keto and the stuff that's like a little bit harder on your hormones, um, tends to be harder on, on women. So if women want to intermittent fast, I recommend only doing an overnight one, which would be like having an early-ish dinner and a late-ish breakfast. Men can get away with like a full day fast usually, but again, I would ask yourself what you're trying to solve with that. Yeah. When I was in, um, I was in Brooklyn and down the street, you know, I was just getting some uh, water and there was all this CBD stuff like you're talking about, but I, and I have arthritis, but I don't have the anxiety thing that you're talking about. But like for me, what would I, you'd say I wanted to get something for when the arthritis flares up, how would you even know what to buy? So the question was if you have arthritis or something that's maybe not mental, but more physically based, how would you use CBD for that? And um, the thing with CBD is that it doesn't tend to work as well acutely. You really wanna, you're sort of balancing your endocannabinoid system in your body. So you need to build it up to a certain point to actually have it take an effect. So if you had arthritis, I would recommend taking maybe a 20 milligram dose every day for a month or so and seeing if it had an effect in a longer term way. Um, but if you have an acute flare-up, you can try something topical, maybe, and see how that would work. Uh, CW Hemp makes a nice topical. Lord, jo Lord Jones makes a nice topical as well. 
Unfortunately, the topicals that tend to have been shown to work best with arthritis and things like that tend to include a little bit of THC as well, um, which is hard to find outside of California, Colorado, Washington, and places where that's legal. Other thoughts on uh, arthritis inflammation? Anything else outside of CBD? Yeah, I, if I had any sort of inflammation-based, um, you know, problem that I was trying, I would definitely have a lot of bone broth, particularly arthritis or something that's joint related. I think that that's been shown, you, and you can make bone broth super easily, just literally take the bones that you have laying around from foods, you can store them in the freezer until you gather up a certain amount, and then you boil them in water for 12 to 24 hours until they sort of dissolve when you push them on them with your fingers. And then you have, you strain out the bones and you have um, a, a good bone broth. You want to use really high quality bones, so grass-fed, pastured meat. Um, but then you can store that in your freezer. You can do an ice cube tray sometimes if you want to like just toss it in with a stir fry. And then you can do it in larger jars so that you can just defrost them. I'll drink it by the mug full for breakfast. And that has been shown to have a very profound effect on arthritis. We have a uh, Instapot that speeds up that whole process. Well. Oh yeah, and Instapot makes bone broth like yeah. super fast. Yeah. And you can order bone broth frozen online. It's a little expensive, um, but there's a, if you literally just search like bone broth delivery, you can find some pretty good bona fide pr provisions, I think, ships some really nice bone broth um, all around the country. Bonafide, I get it. Huh? I actually literally never thought of that. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. This is lovely. And joining, do we, do we think Zach did well? <laughs> yeah. Fine. Fine. Tolerable, tolerable. Awesome. Well, thank you, Zach, for your great questions, and thank you guys so much for your great questions and joining me. And I'll be around, you know, all day. You can come hang out at dinner. Cool. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Blackberry Podcast. Continue following the journey wherever you subscribe. Thank you to our guests, interviewers, and audience. Dive into more stories, videos, photos, and podcast episodes on blackberryfarm.com and blackberrymountain.com. Make a great day. <laughs>